Shattering the Glass Ceiling is a production of the Connecticut Democratic Party. I'm Tanaya Baker. And I'm Jacqueline Cozen. And we're your hosts for conversations with women who are the trailblazers, rising stars, elected officials, and campaign pros who make you say, I'm with her. Today's special guest is New Haven's Board of Order President, Taisha Walker-Myers. Welcome everybody to our new edition of Shattering the Glass Ceiling. We have something super special today in honor of Mother's Day. We have the amazing uh, president of the Board of Aldermen, uh, Taisha Walker-Myers, who is also Tanaya Baker's mom. So in honor of Mother's Day, we have uh, a mom and daughter duo, and it's awesome (laughs) that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yay. So, well, I'm going to kick it over uh, to Tanaya and let her uh, start it all off. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to just jump right into the questions. Uh, Thank you for coming. So the first question is, tell us about your life story. Where did you grow up? How did you get to where you are? Okay, so I grew up right here in New Haven. I actually represent the neighborhood that I grew up in. I went to New Haven Public Schools. I am a James Hill House alumni. I'm really proud of that. Um, And I guess I got to where I am through hard work and faith, right? Because this wasn't the path I was planning on taking. I just so happened to kind of get thrown into it, I guess. Um, But I'm excited about it and I'm proud actually about how far I was able um, to come even after the path that I had for myself. Uh, You know, I was throwing a little curveball. What was the path that you had for yourself? What were you what were you planning for yourself? I was going to go to Quinnipiac College. I was going to be a lawyer. Um, Yeah, that was my path. I had it all figured out. I had a plan. I had, you know, everything, how I was going to pay for it, all of that. And I worked really hard to, oh. to get there, but life happened to me. And I'm ac- actually extra proud about that because one of my greatest blessings came out of that, which is Tanaya. Um, and I made the decision that I was not going to leave her um, on my mother, I was going to take care of my own baby. So I decided to leave my four-year scholarship to Quinnipiac and I took a, another path. And so where, where are you, what do you do for work now? So I work at Yale University and I am the chief steward of the service and maintenance union here. Wow. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Like, how did you transition? So where did you start at 17 or 18 years old? Okay. And how you got to where you are now? So I decided that I wasn't going to go to Quinnipiac because I couldn't bring my baby on campus with me. Um, And I went to Albertus Magnus where they, you know, they said it was diverse. They told me what the diversity looked like until I got there. And it was just me and one other person. I was going to say, I went to Albertus (laughs) and... um... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was not that thrilled <laughs> about the diversity, but I was extremely smart in school. So I decided to just go through the motions. Um, but I realized very early on that I wasn't putting any effort into there. I was actually, you know, using my papers from high school 
and getting the same A's. So I was like, oh, this is not going to be good here. And I got on the bus and I went to pick my daughter up and I saw a sign that says, would you like to work at Yale? I said, hmm, what is that about? And I actually walked down to figure out, you know, what they were doing. And I said, oh, this is something that I think I could do. This is simple. Will you work around my schedule at school? They said, absolutely. It's totally flexible. You make your own schedule. I started working at Yale. And from the day I started working there, I was really good at it. So they were trying to get me to work tons of hours. And I kept saying, no, I'm in school. And then one day I said, hmm, I'm going to have to go home and tell my mother that I am not going back to school. So I knew what that looked like. So I had a plan. Not only did I tell her I wasn't going back to school, but I already had an apartment because I already knew that in order to be there, I had to be in school. So I moved out. I stopped going to Albertus Magnus. I started actually working 40 hours a week at Yale, but I was like a casual employee. So I didn't have any health benefits. I didn't have a set schedule. I didn't have you know, like a mandatory 40 hours, but I knew I was a hard worker. So I knew I would get those hours. And that's actually how I started. And then once I got hired into a 12 and a half hour job at night, working a salad bar, I kind of took off from there. Um, I'm a type of person that loved to know the way things work. So one summer I decided to pick up the union contract and I read it from back to front. So I could know what I can do as far as Yale and what Yale can do as far as me. Um, And from there, I kind of just took off. I became the union steward in my building. Um, We went out on strike in 2003. I stepped up out of 70 employees. I got 69 of them to come out on strike with us. And I was kind of like this quiet storm because, you know, I'm a very, I'm not a very outgoing person, I guess. I'm kind of straightforward and to the point. Um, and some people take that as not being friendly, but I am actually really friendly um, when people get to know me. Um, but I was kind of like the quiet storm that came um, through Yale University. And the chief steward at the time actually recognized my ability to bring people together my ability to be really clear with people, my ability to tell people when they're wrong. And she kind of like said, well, you, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you become a department steward? And at first I was like, no, that entails too many buildings. I don't have time for that. But I did. I became the department steward. It was over seven buildings. And then the other department steward was tired of it, didn't want to do it anymore. And I had 12 buildings at that time and I was leading them. I was helping to um, get other people to understand that they had the same skill set, that they can do some things as far as being a st- steward in their building. And then I became the secretary treasurer of the union. And then I became one of the vice presidents at large of Unite Here, which is the international union, United States and Canada. And I still currently am one of the vice presidents. And that was around 2012. Um, and I've just been, you know, doing things after that. I got elected out as a chief steward and I haven't turned wow. back since. Wow. And just keep moving forward and moving up. Yep. Um, so what, can you describe your first political experience and talk a little bit about 
you know, how you became president of the Board of Aldermen? Okay, so my first political experience, actually, I believe was in high school. Um, it was back when it was conversations going around about busing some of the urban kids to the suburbs. Mm. And, you know, when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, yes. It's a lot of us that have the smarts to go out there and compete. Um, I was a part of the Macy's program um, at James Hill House. That was one of the top programs that New Haven had. But I knew it was a lot of other factors that would, um, you know, stop some of us from actually going there and excelling. So I went around school and found out who mothers or fathers had cars. If something happened to us out there that could get there. And after that, I met Michael Jefferson, who was a lawyer who was having some of the same conversations. And we actually sat on a panel at Quinnipiac where I brought all of the concerns of the students to, um, you know, to the forefront. Like it is a lot of social and economic um, reasons why we can't really excel in those environments. And I made it clear that, you know, if something happened, how would our parents be able to get to us? A lot of our parents were two and three jobs just to be able to take care of us that they won't be able to get actively involved. So I felt like we would get lost out there. Um, and then my thing was, okay, so if you want to bust us out there, then bust some of them out here. And at that point, a lot of them wasn't really interested in doing that. So it was already a no go for me. And I just was organizing the students to think bigger than just having this opportunity because I believe that in order for us to have like a full opportunity, we have to have a level playing ground. So that was my first, first experience really with politics. And a lot of people didn't think that was really about politics, but it absolutely was. So yeah, yeah that was it. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Organizing already in, uh, in high school. That's well, I started before that. <laughs> yeah. I was organizing kids on the playground. <laughs> So I started way before that. I was, it's natural for me. I was always an organizer because I always really loved people, believed in people and wanted to help advance people's lives, even from a little girl. Wow. Awesome. You see where you get it from tonight. <laughs> so from organizing in high school to being the president of the board uh, now, uh, when did you know you wanted to work in politics? I never wanted to work. <laughs> in my opinion, politicians didn't tell the truth. They did anything to get what they wanted. And I never wanted to be associated with that. But it wasn't until I was presented with the opportunity that I had to think bigger than that. And my idea was, OK, I'll take this on and get into politics because I'm about to change the face of politics and I'm about to change how they operate. So that's really why I got into politics to start off with. Yeah. Um, who, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead tonight. And who, and who would you say like gave you that, that push to, to get into something that you didn't really want to get into in the first place? Bob Proto. <laughs> Bob Proto pushed me. <laughs> he said, Oh, you'll be really good at this because he saw the way I handled things in the union, right? When I came up, I was really young when I started at Yale, and I was never shy. I was never shy to voice my opinion and fight for the things that I really cared for and advocate for the workers. So that was kind of like 
what the city actually needed politicians to do for not only workers that lived in a city, but for um, people that wasn't, you know, that wasn't given the ability to actually have the things that was necessary for their lives. So I would say he was the first person to say, you would be really good at this. And I was just like, oh, okay. And that's how I got in. And then I worked for it. And we, we hear that story with uh, a lot of the other people that we, we talk to. Uh, there's usually one person that sees it in them and helps pull them up. Um, so what can you speak to in terms of how important it is uh, for mentor- mentorship to you? And how could we get more people involved in helping to build up uh, other women in politics? I think it's really important to mentor people. I think and anything you do, you should be helping to create a bench, right? So when you leave, it's mm-hmm. someone else that can step right up into it. And I just think that a lot of times women in particular, and especially women of color, we are not given a lot of opportunities where people say, you can actually do this, right? I came into a world of white men when I came into politics. And it was, I think, it was a unique opportunity because a year after I came into politics, we elected Mayor Hart, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the first black woman to um, be into politics. And we had to lead at the same time. And I think the men, <laughs> they weren't used to that. But I also think that we are structured to think that we have to compete with each other um, as women. Yeah. And I think we had a little power struggle in the beginning. Um, but the type of person that I am, it was something I thought was necessary for us to figure out our relationship and work together. So I invested a lot of time into it. And, you know, and after a while, we built a really good relationship where she never had to question whether I was going to support her um, and try to support the things that we talked about that was necessary for the city. So, yeah, I think um, I think that was a unique time. And I was also the first black woman to be president of the board of orders in 400 and something years. That's embarrassing. And that is a shame that it took that long. Um, But I think it was really important that it was her and I at the time that was taken on that task together. Nice. She was our first podcast, the first guest we had on our podcast. So we launched it with her. (laughs) Yes. Shout out to former mayor, Tony Harp. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, just speaking to, like you said, that power struggle and working in an environment where it's just predominantly white men, uh, have you ever faced obstacles in your career because you are a woman and because you are a woman of color? Maybe you could speak on that. Absolutely. They challenged me all the time. Mm. <laughs> they challenged me all the time because I think it depends on the era that you grow up in, right? So when Mayor Harp came, she was used to working in that world of um, white men because she was at the Senate. Um, yeah. And the way she dealt with it was totally different than me. Um, I come up in a different era, right? I'm going to always leave from a place of values. Um, and I'm not going to take a lot of pushback, honestly, right? I'm very vocal. I'm very strong. And I let it be known. I demand respect when I walk in the room. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. Um, and I think it's just the era that I came up in where, you know, she's a little different. She, she's a powerhouse, but she's more quiet. 
So I knew I had to be in those spaces to have her back. And that's what I, um, and that's what I did. But I think as women and as people of color, we are conditioned to think we have to compete with each other and it's not enough room for all of us. Yeah. And I just don't think that I think it's enough room for all of us. And I think it's our responsibility to bring more people with us along the way. So I think mentorship is really important. And I try to do that, not just in politics, but also in work. Right. I help um, form a black leadership coalition where we're actually bringing leaders of color through Unite Here, where that was predominantly white men. When I came on as a vice president at large, it was three of us. Everybody else in the room was white men. So I think it's important that we continue to always think through that lens um, and we'll be okay. And and I just and I just thought of something because I remember one of your first political experience that that I like witnessed after fact. Um, when you first started, when you first decided you were going to become an older woman and you were met with like disgusting remarks about like your womanhood um, and even your race. And and I never asked it and it just came to, to my mind. But did when you were met with those remarks, like being new, being new in that type of sense as an older or running to be an older, how did that make you feel? And also, like, what would you say to other women who are met with those same because I don't know if, if we could say those type of remarks on our podcast, but like those remarks as like sexism, we had a sexism in, in politics uh, discussion before those sexist remarks and, and just coming for you as a woman. How, how did that make you feel? And what can you say to women who, who want to run and maybe feeling those getting those same type of remarks? Um, of course, it don't make you feel good. Right. It make you feel bad and it make you sometimes question. But look, I'm just a strong person and I know who I am. So it's not really too much people could say to make me question that. And what I would say to women that are thinking about getting into politics, I would say, do it. Um, You're going to be met with all kinds of obstacles all throughout your life. And I don't think that should stop you. Um, I think you just have to push back on those things and you have to prove them wrong. And that was my focus. I said, okay, that's okay. Cause I know I'm going to do good and I'm not going to allow what other people think about me to dictate actually how far I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. So that, that would be my advice to do it anyway. Nice. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one thing that, you know, we've heard women talk about uh, a lot and I'd love to hear what you have to say, cause it sounds like I had a, a role uh, in your life is balancing um you know, being a mom and a professional and working in politics. I mean, you have a job, you have, you know, like four full-time jobs essentially. <laughs> uh, so uh, what, you know, how do you balance uh, it all? And, and the other thing, you know, uh, women are always asked this question, men are not. Um, and, you know, we are the primary caregivers, whether it's for our parents or for our children, usually we are in those roles. Um, but also if you could speak to what can be done so that it's, you know, not just women that's asked that question, but it, it goes to men too, that they're starting to be seen a little bit more as heads of households, um, not just financially, but in terms of running it as well. So how do you balance it all? And what could we do to you know, change that dynamic a bit? 
Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. How do I balance it all? Um, I juggle it, right? I think, I think women naturally um, know how to do multiple things at one time. Um, and I think men have a little bit trouble with that. So that's why they're not asked that all the time. And they just think that we're supposed to just be the homemaker and we're supposed to be the ones tending to the kids and all of that stuff. We're not supposed to want to get into politics and do anything that is meaningful. And I just think that is just the wrong approach. I think that um, right now they should be figuring out how to support women that want to be in politics, right? It's not easy to raise a family and work full-time and be in politics. Um, And I did not know what I was getting into (laughs) when I first (laughs) got into politics. I didn't know how much time it would require Um, but with the type of person that I am, I'm going to put 110% um, behind everything. Um, So it is difficult, but I also found a life partner that helped me out, right? He sacrificed his second business so that I can do what I do because he know he had to now start cooking the food, taking care of the kids, (laughs) running them around, doing what they needed to do and cleaning the house and washing clothes and doing everything. I was no longer doing those things. Um, So, you know, I think it's a balance. Um, Finding someone, a family support that can help you out in all the places that you need help, I think is really important. And and you spoke on uh, support, like needed support, but what do you you see as the key uh, policy issues affecting women right now? Oh, it's tons of them, right? They're trying to tell us what to do as far as reproductive rights. Um, you know, like as far as money and economics, they don't think we should be making as much as men when we sacrifice just as much, if not more. Um, so I think those two things are like at the top. Um, but I think that, you know, seeing that we can have a conversation about those things. Um, and it's more women that's stepping up and leading to have their voice at the table, because I don't understand how all these men can make decisions about things that affect women. And they ain't never been a woman. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think that having more women at the table is changing the conversations that's going to lead to better policies about the things that affect your lives. Um, all right. We're going to go to fun questions mm. now. And um If you can have dinner with anyone, who would it be and uh, where and why? Oh, I think if I could have, oh, wow, that's a loaded question. (laughs) I would like to have anyone, like anyone could be like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying, I can't even, like, that's the person I bring up, not a (laughs) um, Beyonce. Sorry. Um, You know what? I think if I could have dinner. It could be a family member who yeah, may not be here anymore. Oh, well, then. So you don't change the game. <laughs> then it would be my grandmother. Nice. Because my grandmother was really important in my life, always supported me, always pushed me to say, you can do it. But she always warned people, like, you have to help and work with her and her patients. Um, I think it would I think it would be my grandmother um, at this point because I've done so much since she's been gone 
um, that I would like to bring her up to speed on and get some advice. So yeah, it would be my grandmother. Nice. And Jackie, just, yeah, and just a little background on on my grandmother. So she was like the oldest woman when my mom first started. She was the oldest woman who would be there with her sign and all the rallies oh. and door knocking. So she was she was that powerhouse. Yeah, oh. that's a good pick. Yeah, um, that's so awesome. That's my mom. <laughs> my mom out there too. Moms are pretty awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Moms yeah. are great. Yeah. yeah. So Hollywood is making a movie about you. Which actress plays you? Queen Latifah. <laughs> She would play me. You said it, Tanaya. <laughs> yeah, she would play me because we we favor each other. She's very strong. She's versatile. Yeah, definitely, yeah. she would play me. Definitely, yeah, I, love I knew it. <laughs> Yay! Uh, what mu- music do you listen to to prepare for election day or a big political event to get you like pumped up and psyched? Hardcore rap. Hardcore <laughs> rap. rap would be the music. I think that DMX is great. Right. I think that. His struggle and his life comes out through his music. He's very, he was very religious. That's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't ashamed of his faults. Neither am I. I put him out there. I tell everybody, nobody can tell my story better than me. So please don't try. Um, and I just think that that motivates me because it's so many people that went through a lot of things that he went through yeah. um, that need support that are crying out, um, that a lot of society look down on. And those are the people that I look up to. So I would say DMX is definitely um, a a person and music that I actually really like. (laughs) Thanks. Yay. So uh, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where I see myself in five years. You know, I don't think about the next shiny thing or plan everything out. I honestly just let God lead me to where I'm going to be. Um, I never knew I would be here five years ago. If you would have asked me whether I would still be the president of the board of orders, I would have never said that because I was always the one in the background when I was the vice president organizing everybody and doing a lot of behind the scenes work. I'm actually not one of those people that like to be out front, that is one of the things I really don't like about politics. I got to be everywhere smiling and waving. That's just not my style. I'm a worker. I'd rather do the work and let somebody else get the credit. Um, so I don't know where I see myself, but I do know that I'll be doing great things no matter where it's at. Awesome. Thanks. So what do you think about Tanaya? Like she sounds like, well, she seems to be following in your path. Um, and you know, it's been, it's been interesting for me to work with her just because we were on the governor's campaign together and now we're in a, a different role. And, um, you know, it's, it's so neat for me to hear from you. Cause I see so much, I see so much of you and her, like with working with her and, you know, what do you think about your daughter? You know, she's pursuing a career in politics and I know she wanted to be a lawyer as well. And that's something that's still in the background for her. But uh, did you kind of push her into uh, this work? <laughs> Look at the face. You know, <laughs> Tanaya is Tanaya. She has her own way of thinking about things. Um, 
I'm glad that all of those years of her watching me, <laughs> um, she picked mm. a lot of it up. Um, but tonight is her own person. So if she did not want to be in politics, it's nothing that I could have said to get her there. This is just something that she wanted to do. I think about, um, I can't even remember the year I've been doing this since 2011, where I had an election where people was questioning things and I had to get a lawyer. And I actually got Eric Russell to come out with me. Uh, And he stood out there with me all day, ready and willing to answer, you know, the questions. So I also see her as a lawyer. I want her to pursue whatever her dream is, whether it's politics or law or both. Um, Because that would have been really amazing (laughs) to have her out there answering those questions because when her and I are together, we're a powerhouse. So whatever she wanted to do is what I want her to do. And tonight, what do you think about, what's it like for you having a mom who's, you know, uh, a powerful influence, but also like in, in terms of, like society and in New Haven, um, what are you finding that you learn uh, from her? And, you know, as a mom, you know, Tatum is, you know, only going to be two and a half, but, uh, you know, passing down to her as well. So I think it's interesting because I see so many like parallels between my mother and I, like, even though she doesn't think that she pushed I was 14. She pushed. So like, <laughs> even from that, from the start of like, like she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Someone saw something in her uh, to get into politics. So even from the very start, like that similar, she pushes me to be a, a better mother. Um, and just like seeing her take on different roles. So when she first started, she took on the role of, of being an older and not just being like just an older, but a powerful one and one who had a lot of influence. And then seeing her take on the next role as being the president and just, and even with her working with the union, seeing her step up the ladder with that, um, it just inspirational. And it just makes me that even though sometimes I probably be like, well, is politics really my thing. I understand why I'm here. And I just look at what she's doing as kind of like a blueprint to how I, sh- I should do it and how I should c- continue my path um, in politics as well. Now I got to so go maybe. there, huh? Now I got to go there, right? <laughs> five years, baby, five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. And yeah, Tanaya, that means that you probably will be running for office someday. <laughs> I give her five years, you got to give me five years. <laughs> I'll give you five years. You can take as long as you need. <laughs> Oh man. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So the the uh last one question is who is your favorite president and why? Or or someone, because I kind of think I know your answer, someone who could have been president. Well, <laughs> hmm. Hillary Clinton. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I oh, think man. that people would rather have any anybody than have a woman. So when it came to the very first election that she ran, and it was between a black man and a white woman, I was for Hillary Clinton. And people couldn't really understand that. But for me, and I'm glad Barack Obama, you know, was president, I think he did a really good job. I think he brought a lot of humility to the presidency that, you know, in this 
last when when Trump was president, we didn't see any of that. He was just a total yeah. different breed. But you know, because I know the power of women, and I know that we just have this type of endurance that is not easy, and a lot of people don't have. So I think that's why I was in support of her. And I actually, when she was um, running the last time, I actually had the pleasure and the honor to introduce her and go out there and speak for her in New Haven. Um, and it, it, it was awesome. And to see, you know, her husband standing there supporting her, I had the opportunity to have a very long conversation with him about, you know, why it was important for me to be there and support her at the time. So it would have been her, that that, that would have been a person that I think, and I think she would have did a, a great job. And I think um, as a society, we allow men to do whatever it is they want and they can do anything and we'll come right back and support them. But the minute a woman do something that, we don't, you know, like, we doom them forever, like doom them forever. We just hold men and women at different standards. Um, and I don't like that because I, listen, we did not fight all these years to have equal rights only when it's comfortable for them and they want us to have them. I think it should be all the way across the board. So that is why I think that that is the person that I would choose. Yeah, that's why. I loved Hillary too. I did a lot of work and yeah. it's disappointing. And I guess I, you know, I have a question cause I sometimes feel like, and this may be a little sensitive, but sometimes I feel like women of color are put in a position of having to choose between uh, being a person of color and being a woman, mm. um, you know? And I, I think it's interesting that I don't, I don't think someone should have to choose, which is, more important, but I don't know if you've ever felt that way or if you could speak to that at all in terms of how you, how you see that or, or, or feel that. Yeah. I think that we are put in that position, but I tell them all the time, I am a woman of color and I'm a woman <laughs> first. It, it's simple for me. Um, I think the reason why they try to put us in those positions to try to make it easier. Um, but you know, I'm, I base my decisions off of my values. So to me, that has nothing to do with what I look like and what I am. It's just how I feel about the things that's necessary. So I always start from my values and that's what drive my decisions. And it drives the things that I go out there and I fight for and I advocate for. And I make it really simple and really plain. I fight for the underserved period. I don't care what mm. you look like. I don't care what background you come from, I don't care about any of those things. If you are underserved, you are the person that I'm fighting for. You are the person that I'm advocating for. You are the person that I'm trying to create policy for. You are the person that I know that we're similar. We're alike, right? Yeah. Because from birth, <laughs> I've been behind the eight ball just because I'm Black. And I just think that it's time out for those things. It really surprises me that we're in 2021 and we're still talking about whether black lives matter it's disappointing to me and and to have 
situations where people try to make it seem like if you say black lives matter, you don't care about all lives. And I just tell people all lives can't possibly matter until black lives start matter. Um, So, you know, and I, and I think those conversations are uncomfortable, but I think those conversations are necessary. And I think that even right here in our own city, those conversations aren't happening at the level that I think they need to be happening at because people are afraid. Mm -hmm. And I tell people all the time, just because you don't have the same life experiences as me does not mean that you can't understand how I feel when I'm in those situations. And I think people, when they're pushed and when they're challenged, they start thinking like, wait, I've done some of these things myself. Like I've judged people off of the color of their skin, or I judge people off of their economics and those things. And I think that just don't feel good to people. And I think that's why people don't really like to have those conversations, but I push it all the time. I push it in the union. I push it in the city. And, you know, some of those things are uncomfortable, but I tell them, well, get, get used to it. Now, you know how I felt all my life (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) So We have to have those conversations as a, as a nation. It's, it's really, it's really not good and it's terrible. And we had someone lead in our country that played into that all the time. And a lot of people didn't really call it out until like the very end. And I feel like we made him too comfortable and in doing those things. So I made a commitment to myself that, that's never going to happen under my watch, especially with a black woman. It's just not going to happen. Thank you. And, you know, we're forced with some some yeah. challenges in New Haven. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. But I just, I mean, I lost sleep over it. Yeah. When Mayor Hart ran this last election, I mean, I, I went out four months out of work <laughs> to yeah. help knock on doors and and stuff like that. And it was really disappointing to me um, how how that election played out and people use, you know, things that just wasn't true yeah. <laughs> to keep her out of office. But I blame black people, too, because they either sat home or they chose a side. And, I, and I, you know, and, and, and I don't like that because we allow everyone else to get grace except for black women and yeah, so I'm not gonna let that happen again. Not while I'm here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And and yeah, we we have one more question, but I just want to give props to uh Jacqueline and because you just made me think about that. To Jacqueline and just the the our staff, the party, just because I feel like we've been doing like such a such a good job with having those uncomfortable conversations, like. And I probably never said this like on a staff call, <laughs> but I, I really, I really do appreciate because it just, you know, like it just came out. I really do appreciate like just our sexism and politics discussion. Even when we had the black caucus, that discussion, like we are really making strides. We're getting all our caucuses up and running. You know, we have the LGBTQ caucus. We have a women's caucus. We have the black caucus and we'll soon have our API caucus API. Up and running. Yeah, and we just like we're like making the strides to get everyone together and then have these uncomfortable conversations to really make really make a change. So I just want to give kudos to us. <laughs> uh, thanks. No, I do. I believe that it's it's like a wound. And if you just constantly cover it up, it's not gonna heal. Okay. Um and I just they are um, I when I actually was at Alberta's race was a big issue there because um I remember that there was uh um 
a black woman in our dorm and somebody led in somebody, a, a gentleman who was black. He ended up being homeless and the person let him in. And I don't, I don't know what happened. Something happened. This is, that was a very long time ago. <laughs> but, um, and she took offense because she thought, oh, because he was home, you know, homeless, you know, he, he had to be my dad. And he's like, well, he, I thought it was your dad. Like he, he was black and it, 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 it was a big issue on campus. And so that we, as student government sponsored a conversation on racism and me and one other people were the only people that showed up. And mm-hmm. I remember they just sat there and they, they just, you know, yelled at me and I, and I was like, okay, uh, this is kind of what needs to happen. And it wasn't, um, and I, I'll, I'll never forget that for as long as I live. Cause I was like, wow, like this is, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood in my high school, predominantly white. And, um, and that's when I really started to learn that stuff. And I really appreciated having that opportunity, um, that they gave us a forum for it. I just wish more people would have come, but it is, it's uncomfortable. Um, but thank you for standing up to it and, and Tanaya always helps raise the issue, like when we have it on staff and it comes up in conversation and it's important that we do it. So thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to. And the party is doing some great things. I mean, you know, you are, listen, a woman is leading it. So because <laughs> <laughs> we think outside the box and, and we look yeah. at the things that's necessary and whether it's uncomfortable or not, we bring it to the forefront. So yeah, yeah. This is this has been great. Yeah. Uh, so so for the last question, uh, top three things a woman needs to know about working in uh, politics. Like so, the top three pieces of advice. Well, <laughs> the top three things a woman needs to know about working in politics. One, it won't be easy. Two. You can do it. And three is very rewarding. Those are the top three things about working in politics. It is very rewarding. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it is. It's nice when you see the success and the incremental change happen. And you've obviously made history in your position. And through uh, Tanaya, you'll continue to make more. but you'll be running for mayor and who knows what else. I'm very excited to <laughs> see you down the line, but thank you. This is so, this has been so great. And ha- I hope you too have a wonderful mother's day. On Sunday. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so thank much. You. Thank you for your leadership. And uh, thank you for Tanaya. Yay. Uh-huh. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she is so funny. She was just laughing. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice when you see Tania smile. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. smile. She get that from me. We don't do a lot of that, <laughs> but we do be happy. We just, I don't know. We just, I mean, I don't know. I had um, my granddaughter with me the other day at a union rally. She was so excited. She was saying the chance. She oh. was saying shut it down. Oh, I love she it. A contract, <laughs> but soon as somebody came to say hello to her, she was just like. They said, oh, yeah, she has that same straight, <laughs> who are you type of look. But it's just, we're always happy. We just very, I don't know. We yeah, just, a little shy. A little shy. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not shy. I <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. Tatum, definitely. But me, no. <laughs> I'm going to crawl and I'm going to walk and I'm going to stand.